we had an air guitar competition. And I, I was the only one that knew about it. <laughs> we are so glad that you are here today. I had the pastor bring me a chair out this morning because I lost an hour of sleep last night. So uh, might get a little tired this morning. Glad you're here, and we are so thankful that Wayne Pregnancy Care Center is here. Thank you to Julie uh, Clyde and all the work that those people do, and we are proud to be partners with them. And, uh, you know, we, we teach, the Bible teaches about the sanctity of human life and how valuable that life is and, and how God feels about that. And so what we want to do in partnering with them is we tell the world, guys, you know, God doesn't want that for you. He's got a better plan for you than that. And um, here's an alternative. Here's something that you can do uh, that can save the life of your baby and also help you in the process. And so we are just so, so proud to be a part of that and proud to partner with them. And uh, we're just glad to have them here today. And so I just, I do encourage you to go out and uh, visit that table this morning, see them and talk with them. Again, as Pastor said, get their literature and find out more and more about it, okay? All right, we're going to get started this morning. We're going uh, to be talking about worship again today. And uh, Pastor, didn't he do a great job last week when he taught us about Jehoshaphat? Wasn't that awesome? Yeah, all of you that remember that. <laughs> I thought it was great. <laughs> Well, we're going to continue our study this morning, and I want us to look at worship. And Pastor did such an incredible job talking about what that looks like in the life that we live in and the world that we live in. But I want us to define it today. I looked in Webster's Dictionary when I was looking at defining what worship is, what it means to worship, and, and what does that look like. Webster said this. It said, uh, worship is adoring. It is treating with supreme reverence. Treating with extreme submission. That is what worship is. It is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. I love that definition right there. To honor with extravagant love and extreme sub submission. Why? Because of what he did for us. Because he gave his life on the cross so that we could know forgiveness of sin. And uh, I just thought that those were some awesome, awesome definitions of what worship is. It's why we come here on Sunday morning and why we sing and why you get up after you've lost an hour of sleep and it's rainy and it's messy outside and man, it would be easy to stay home and the sheet weighs 150 pounds this morning, but you got up anyway, you know, because of the extravagant love God showed to you. Because of the extravagant love he expressed to you. And so what we do is we respond to that love in extreme submission, in obedience to him. I think that is so awesome. And Exodus chapter 34 teaches us about that. That we're to have no other God other than the Lord. He's a jealous God. Well, let's look at, then at what worship isn't. We found out what worship is. And I thought the best way to illustrate that was through a story. How many of you remember Paul Harvey? The rest of the story guy. Remember? Back in 1995, there was a caller that called in on his radio show uh, that worked with Butterball Turkey and told a true story about a woman who was calling about her frozen turkey. And this is a true story, and I, I do better reading it than I do just telling it to you. So let me 
uh, indulge me here as I read this uh, account to you. Uh, the Butterball Turkey Company had set up a telephone hotline to answer consumer questions about preparing holiday turkeys. One woman called to inquire about cooking a turkey that had been in the bottom of her freezer for 23 years. Now, you know I'm a pack rat. But uh, come on, man. After 23 years, defrost that thing. You know what I'm saying? So stuff's got to be thrown away. But the Butterball representative told her that the turkey would probably be safe to eat if the freezer had been kept at zero, or below rather, zero degrees Fahrenheit for the entire 23 years. She'd probably be okay. But she warned that even if the turkey was safe to eat, that the flavor would probably have deteriorated to such a degree that she would not recommend eating it. You think? Uh, anyway, the caller replied, you know, that's what I thought. We'll give the turkey to the church. <laughs> They're having a potluck and why not, you know? Guys, God gave us his best. He gave us, he, he showed just, what was that word? Extravagant love to us. When he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us, don't give him a 23-year-old turkey out the freezer. Everybody gets sick. My goodness gracious. So that's what worship isn't, okay? That's a great picture of what worship is not. So since we've established this, I want us to take a look very briefly at three places that we do life and, and in effect, three places that we worship in the Lord in this world and the first is home uh, we do life at home uh, you, if you're a mom if you're a dad if you're a child if you're a grandparent maybe you're a grandparent raising children uh, that is one of the places you do life the other place that you do life is in community you do life in community you do it uh, at work you do it with extended family with neighbors with friends uh, extracurricular activity the, all those places where you where you live and move and work and then the third place for many of us is the church now that third place is different for different people but for a lot of us that are here this morning not for all of us but for a lot of you your third place is the church uh, you know we're here I, I mentioned the other uh, last night as a matter of fact at the bridge that, you know, we're here at the church probably, what, most of us in, uh, from two to three hours a week. We come to church and we serve. Unless you work with Pastor Jimmy on the mountain, and then you work 40 hours a week, and you put the mountain together for 50 hours of the week. So, uh, but our third place is church. And uh, we do worship in every one of those places. And next week, we're going to look at what worship is and what it means to come into this place and to worship and to lift up and adore the name of Jesus. But today, I want us to take a look, as we did really last week as well, I want us to look at what worship looks like outside the walls of this worship auditorium, outside the walls of Kids Church, outside the walls of the Carpenter's House in Fort Zion. 
What does it look like when we leave here? Because as we just established, two to three hours a week we're here. The rest of the time, where are we? We're out in the world, right? We're, we're doing life. We're living. We're in our homes. We're in our communities. And we worship God in everything that we do. The offering that was received was an act of worship unto God today. Not just the lifting of hands. But in everything, in the way that we parent, in the way that we are husbands and wives to our spouses, all of those things are acts of worship unto God. Being on time for work, it's an act of worship unto God. You know, it's the way we represent Him to the world that we live in. And so I want us to take a look at what this looks like. What does it look like for each and every one of us uh, to worship God? And how do we know we're effectively worshiping God in the world that we live in? And the first way we know that is we're engaged. We're engaged. Not to be married, but you're engaged to the world. You're plugged in to the world that you live in. And probably the best way that I can uh, uh, give you the example of this is by um, turn, asking you to look on your screen, I guess, or you can turn with me to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, and I believe it's going to be on the screen for me here in just a second. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, And uh, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. And at three, that was three in the afternoon rather. And now a crippled man from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him. He looked straight at him, and uh, I lost my place because I looked up. <laughs> Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. Look at us, he said. And just a few weeks earlier, might have even been a few days earlier, he had looked into the face of a little girl and denied that he even knew Jesus. A man that denied Jesus before a child looked at this man who was crippled from birth, lying at this gate, and he said, look at me. He was engaged in the life and in the world that he lived in. He was engaged there. And so the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. And then we turn over to Acts chapter 9. And as we look in Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 32, we find another account of Peter. Once again, this man who just weeks earlier had looked into the eyes of a little girl who had said, you are one of those followers of Jesus. And he said, no, I'm not. And he denied him three times. Well, just a little bit later on here, he's doing some traveling, and he comes across another crippled man. And as Peter traveled from the country, he went to visit the saints of Lydda, and there he found a man named Aeneas, a paralytic who had been bedridden for eight years. And he said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. He encountered a man on his travels. 
And because he was engaged in the world that he lived in, he stopped and he talked to this man and he gave him what he had. And that was Jesus. And then we look on down in verse 36. And it says, In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha who was always doing good and helping the poor. And about that time she became sick. About the time that Peter was coming through. She became sick and died. And her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. And little was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. And the reason that they sent for him, the reason that they called out for him, is because they knew he would come. They knew that he was engaged in life around him. And that is one of the ways, guys, that we worship God. What does it look like in your life? What does being engaged look like in your life? Is it going home at the end of a long day and getting the newspaper and plopping down on the recliner until you fall asleep and the kids are running, jumping in your lap or mama or your wife or even your puppy? You don't kick the dog when you come home. You don't ignore your family. Being engaged is it's tuning in and finding out what's going on in the life of the people around me. What's going on in the life of those that I love? And a lot of times, actually probably all the time that we're not engaged, when we're disengaged, it's a simple matter of us being self-absorbed. When I'm not engaged in the world around me, I'm self-absorbed. I'm just wrapped up in everything that's going on in my life, and I just kind of ignore everything around me. Okay, and so God's calling us to be engaged number two the other way that we know that we're worshiping God in the world around us is that we add value to the world that is around us and you I don't even have to read the rest of this for you to know what happened he said silver and gold have I none but what I have I give you in in Acts chapter 3 and he said in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth walk and taking him by the right hand he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them to the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Peter and John added value to this man's life would you say all of his life he did not walk all of his life he was crippled and because they were engaged and they were intentional do you ask that question I gotta be honest with you this this message beat me up this week because I'm I, don't, I have not arrived here there are mornings I get up and I don't ask God how can I add value to everyone else's life today what can I do today that will make someone else's life better? Some days I get up and I say, what's somebody going to do for me? You know, do you ever do that? Who's got a little something for Andy today? You know, I need a little something. <laughs> Cold Stone, they send me a little something. On your birthday, if you sign up, you get a little free ice cream. Who else got something for me? You know, don't we do that? But God wants us, he wants us to ask that question. What can I do to add value 
in the lives of others. And then when we look in chapter 9 here and we see this account of Peter, he, he, of course he heals uh, Aeneas and he says, Jesus Christ heals you, get up, take care of your mat. And immediately he got up. And those who lived there saw him and turned to the Lord. The reason that we want to be engaged and the reason that we want to ask the question, how can I add value to the life of those around me, is because we're ambassadors. If we are believers in Jesus, if we've asked Christ in our heart, then we are ambassadors for Him. And the things that we do in His name are going to make a difference in someone else's life. And I don't have to be a Billy Graham. If I'm engaged and I'm intentional about adding value to someone's life, people are going to believe in Jesus. They're going to come to know Him. Because of me. Man, what an awesome opportunity we have to minister in that way. And then it says, Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken to an upstairs room where Tabitha was, translated Dorcas. And all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made when she was still with them. And Peter sent them out of the room, and then he got down on his knees and prayed, Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. Now listen. <laughs> for a lot of us today, for most of us sitting here today, we, we have a tendency of putting God in a box. You know, we kind of have this idea of, okay, this is, this is what God does, and then this is what happens the rest of the time. But God's right here. If we... If we got on our knees and prayed, not, this woman was not in a medically induced coma, okay? She didn't get hit in the head with a board and was just laying there knocked out. She was dead as a hammer, okay? And he gets down on his knees and he prays and he says, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, wake up. And she opened her eyes. All of us go, woo, we'd fall. Somebody had to fix our head and take us to Wayne Memorial Hospital and fix us all up. He added value. Peter added value to the life of people around him. He had had such little faith that he denied Jesus before this little girl. But God did such an amazing work in him. And I tell you, it gives me hope today. It gives me hope in those times that I've really failed miserably before God. And yet God is so loving and so forgiving and so wants to use us and work through us and they added tremendous value when he left Peter left his world better than he found it how are we doing there how are we doing with that not to be cliche but I dare you <laughs> I dare you to move on it I dare you to ask the question tomorrow what can I do I dare you to ask the question when you leave here today when you go out to eat it's raining. Look, it's messy. It's nasty. You're having to drive in this stuff to a restaurant. You may have to wait in a, a long line. Guess what? The people that work there, they had to do the same thing. I dare you to ask the question, what can I do to add value to the man or woman who's going to wait on me today? How can we do that? What does that look like? Do you know that people that work in the restaurant industry, they hate Sunday more than any other day? They can't stand it. Waiters and waitresses, because the worst tips come on Sunday from the people that love us of Jesus, you know. We love Jesus, 
but we are cheap. <laughs> I want a whole lot of something you got, but I don't want to pay nothing for it now. Why is my tea glass empty? Add value to somebody's life. Man, let's do that. Let's be different. You know, we're different. We build mountains on the stage, you know? So let's go out and do something different today and create some value, add some value to someone else's life. And then lastly, full disclosure. Full disclosure. And here, and, and I'm going to bring this in, hopefully, and make this make sense to you in just a second. But when you're engaged in people's lives and you're adding value to people's lives, guess what they're going to do? They're going to ask you a question. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this for me? What is it? And here's, what they're going to, here's the thing they're going to want to know. What do you want from me? You're doing this for me, and it's a nice thing, but what is it you're trying to get from me? Because nothing is free, and I want to know what it is you're trying to manipulate me into. And see, that is our opportunity. Now, I want us to look. Let's first look at what Peter, let's look at what Peter said. Peter had healed this man, Peter and John, and uh, they, were, they were arrested. And they were brought before the Sanhedrin court in Acts chapter 4. And they were brought before these leaders. And beginning in verse 5, it says, The next day the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And all these high priests, Annas the high priest was there, and so was Caiaphas and John and Alexander and the other men of the high priest family. And they had Peter and John brought in before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. And look, when you look later on in that chapter, when they asked God to fill them, when they said, fill me with the Holy Spirit, you know what he did? He gave them boldness. Because that's what they prayed for. They said, God, give us boldness. They faced all of these trials and all of these obstacles. But they didn't pray, God, take me out of them. They did say, consider them. <laughs> Just consider them, God. But then give us boldness to speak. Whatever the circumstances, whatever faces me, God, whatever I encounter, give me boldness to speak the truth. And so they stand here, and Peter and John are brought in and said, By what name did you do this? And he said to them, rulers and elders of the people, with his Charles Stanley finger pointing at them. He said, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this. And here's where he pointed that finger. He said, you and all the people of Israel know this. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed today. He is the stone the builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be Say, boy, I'm going to tell you what. That's good, isn't it? He wasn't scared. They could have took his life in that moment. But he said, I want you to know something. You want to know why this man walks today? I'm going to give you full disclosure. You know Jesus? Just a little while ago, the guy you killed, 
who God raised from the dead. And I know he did because I went and looked in that tomb and ain't nobody there. It's in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It's in his power that this man walks today. When you do things for people, when you're engaged and you're asking the question, God, how can I add value? Now, I've never prayed for a crippled man and he walked. Could God do it? Absolutely. But in my world, in the place that I live in, what can I do to add value to someone else's life? That's why we have those art cards. Man, you can drive through and get somebody a cup of coffee. And for the Starbucks fiend, man, you've added value to their life. And they're going to ask the question, who was the guy that paid for that coffee and why did he do it? You don't even have to put your name on the back of that card. You can just say, Jesus loves you. And he even cares that you like coffee. Because he provided you with a free cup today. Man, full disclosure. As we close, I want us to look at what this looks like in another way. I got this little backpack here. And at the bridge last night, I called it a backpack and a parachute 450,000 times, I think. So whatever I call it, that's just what I'm sticking with. <laughs> okay? <clears throat> if you got on an airplane and the flight attendant gave you this parachute, and I don't have a parachute, so I have to use this, and said, if you'll take this parachute and put it on, it'll make your flight much better. It'll enhance your experience on this plane. You say, okay, I don't know how it's going to do that, but I'll try it. So you get in the plane, you sit down, and you find out very quickly that you cannot sit back with the parachute on your back very well. It's a little uncomfortable. And you also notice that it started pulling on your shoulders a little bit, and, and it's and it, a little bit uncomfortable and irritating, and... And the other thing you've began to notice as you look around is that there are people looking at you. They don't have a backpack on. And they're laughing at you. And they're mocking you. And they're kind of snickering and saying, what is the deal with the dude with the parachute on? And why does he have that on his back? And you began to watch all that. And you, you, you feel that pain again. And it's getting more intense. And, and you begin to get frustrated with the fact that you have this parachute on your back and you take it off and begin to despise the fact that it's even there and say why God why do I have this parachute I don't understand and you walked on that plane and one of the reasons you're upset and angry is because there wasn't full disclosure but if you would walked up to that plane and the flight attendant had approached you and said, if you'll take this backpack, it will enhance your flight. And here's why. It'll enhance your flight because at 8,000 feet, you're going to have to jump out of this plane. So you put the backpack on. It's uncomfortable sitting. It's uncomfortable because it kind of pulls on you and it, it's painful and it hurts. And you notice that people are kind of laughing and mocking and the flight attendant might even spill a cup of coffee on you. But you know what happens? You never despise 
the parachute. Because you realize, you know something. There's been full disclosure given. And that is at 8,000 feet, i got to jump out of this plane. And those people around you that are mocking and, and they're kind of making fun, you're looking at them and instead of being angry at them, you begin to look at them and you have compassion for them because you realize they need a parachute. They don't even understand what's about to happen. They, they need a parachute and if they'll just ask for a parachute, they'll get one. All they have to do is ask. And if you're a believer today, that's the world around you. When you walk around and you see this world that we live in, my prayer is that we see the world with eyes of compassion, with understanding that Romans 3.23 said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And 6.23 in Romans says, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, I can't earn it. I can't do enough to get it. I can't be good enough to receive it. But if I'll ask Him for it. John 3, 16, God loved and He gave. And if we believe in, we will receive. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And we teach that message, guys. Yes, we verbalize it. Yes, we speak boldly to our friends and neighbors. But we also speak that message by putting our arm around someone who's hurting, someone who's broken, someone who doesn't know which way to turn. And we're just there. Sometimes our greatest witness is not in speaking at all. It's in being there. It's in being engaged. It's in saying, what can I do to add value to your life? What can I do to love you? Because Jesus is coming back. And we want you to know about him. That's why we worship. That's, that's, that's how we worship. And that's what it looks like in the world that we live in. Because he is coming. And the world needs to know him. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. Let's make that declaration. Let's worship Him in this way this week. Can I challenge you to do that? Would you be willing to do that? Would you take that challenge? And would you ask the question tomorrow morning, what can I do to be more engaged? What can I do to add value to someone else's life? And then as I do that, they're going to want to know, man, why did you do it? And then I can tell them, man, because Jesus loves you. That's why I did it. It's just Jesus. Jesus I, I'm not gonna you don't have to get in the Bible and give them uh, every theological reason why you just tell a man Jesus loves you he loves you and you'll we'll figure that out as we walk this thing but he loves you and I'm here for you and when you're ready to receive you let me know and you may be here today you may have never asked Jesus into your life or maybe you did a long time ago you got away and I say to you this morning he loves you he is passionate about you his love for you is extravagant would you bow your heads with me as we pray
God, thank you for your word today. Thank you, God, that you don't speak to us in riddles, but you just lay it out just plain and simple and clear. I pray that we get it this morning. I pray, God, that we understand that we're called to this life of worship because of the extravagant love of our Savior. I pray for those that are here this morning that may not know you. And I ask you, God, right now just to to work on their heart, God. And and if you're here and, man, you're just sitting there and you're like, I don't don't understand everything you're talking about. I don't don't know all the the ins and outs of this thing, but I I do feel like I, I need to ask that question. I need to ask Jesus, just come into my heart. It's as simple as God gave and he loved. Believe in him and receive from him. You can ask him right where you are in this very moment. God, thank you for your presence here today. I pray that as we leave this place, that we will encounter you in every facet of the world and life that we live in. In Jesus' name we pray. If you would like to come forward for prayer this morning, you certainly can. There will be people here that will be available to pray with you. Uh, If you are our guest today, we do want to remind you to make sure you go back to the Guest Welcome Center and uh, get your free gift before you leave. And also, we are uh, continuing March Madness. We've got some opportunities for you to serve here on Sunday morning at our Whitley campus. And we've got these balloons that are placed various uh, places back all over the worship auditorium. Go back and check out what they've got going on. All right, people. Everybody's God bless you. Have a great day.